that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. I'm here in the towers of bookmakers.co.uk with uh, Dermot Nolan. It's myself, Dean Ryan, and Dermo's here. How are you, Dean? Very good. All um, well, some cracking racing to look back at. Paddy Aspel has joined us once again. Paddy, how are you? How are we, lads? Doing really well. Um, let's let's talk about some of the superstars that were on display over the weekend of course this podcast is a day delayed and you might tell from my voice that i'm a little bit under the weather but um i wasn't under the weather at the weekend because we found plenty of winners demo didn't we well certainly did yeah the diego de charmel was tipped up at 12 wasn't he and then you had a uh, vindication balioptic balioptic well. yeah no it's on the it was job. a very very good weekend and um Two in a row now, so just hopefully now we're not using up all our winners way too quickly now then. Ah, well, you know, I think once once you get into a rhythm, like, <laughs> you, you carry on. Um, keep jumping. You know, Paddy was responsible for a few of those. I mean, let's talk about some of them that did go uh, that did go in, but perhaps weren't tips. Uh, likes of Sam Crow and Envoir Allen Demmer. Yeah, they were both superb. Um, Sam Crow, as Keith said, he, he wandered a bit right at his fences, but uh, Keith was at pains to say that it was just because he's such a hold on him. He didn't want him doing anything stupid, so he was holding him. He was kind of putting himself right, and then Keith said himself he actually pulled him a bit to the right at the last fence just to uh, make sure that he just popped it. But Keith said it was so easy for him that had he not actually done any of that, that he wouldn't have worked. It. He would have had to have worked the next day, you know. Cause okay. I thought what I saw was interesting was Ruby afterwards. I think he was doing a bit of punditry on it, saying that there was there was a possible negative and that he didn't take ages to pull him up. Paddy, what what was he on about? Like the, the horse had just gone out, done his job, probably in a bit of a hack canter, and I think Ruby wanted to see him go around again on his own and Keith not be able to stop the thing. Yeah, it, it was a funny one, wasn't it? I mean, some people thought it was a, it was an interesting observation. I mean, obviously. It is a comment you would see people sort of make after race, you know, if they see a jockey struggling to pull one up. But, you know, the thing about Sam Crow is, I think that's more with novices. I mean, look, Sam Crow now, uh, you would say he's pretty experienced. Um, he'd know his job. Yeah, he'd gone around there in, he hadn't come out of third gear. Hmm. And literally, by the time he'd passed the line, the horse gate is straight there. You know, Keith Donahue had the revs down on him, you know, because, I mean, he, he's won by 17 lengths. So the revs were well down and the anchor was dropped well before the line. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Uh, I'll be honest, I thought it was a bit of a strange comment. But at the end of the day, Ruby Walsh has written thousands of winners and it's something maybe that, that he reads into. But it might have been different maybe if he'd, if he'd have sat on the horse himself maybe in the past and, and if, if he'd have known him and known sort of his traits. But I don't know. It, it was maybe something that... I'm not really sure if it was probably on the day if a horse wins by 17 lengths, he's not really going to take an awful lot of pulling up. Yeah, no, and um, and Paddy as well. I mean, as Keith said himself, he's kind of a horse that doesn't do a tap in front. So once the race was over, the horse just stops himself. He he saves an awful lot for himself. Does Sam Crow? You saw it that day in the Ballymore uh, when Keith Dun- or when uh, Jack Kennedy was all out at the end. Really, when he said afterwards, the horse had plenty left. He's just one of them. And um, I thought Ruby was just reading way too far into it, really, to be honest with you. One that maybe, sorry, Paddy, one that um, maybe did do that under Keith was Fury Road. And there's an example of a horse that wasn't going to stop no matter what he did. 
Yeah, and he bigged his horse up an awful lot this season. Now, I was kind of looking on saying how good is Envoy Allen because, <laughs> as Keith said, he wasn't, he's not in the same parish as that horse. But Fury Road was brilliant. His jumping was so aggressive. He really flew through it. And it'll be interesting now to see uh, where he ends up trip-wise because they felt afterwards that the horse actually has plenty of gears. But he did scream to me like an Albert Bartlett horse. But he also screamed to me as being another one of these really sexy Gordon Elliott horses that go into the Albert Bartlett and get beaten. Um, which happens an awful lot to them. Um, it's a really odd race. And uh, I think he's just going to be an absolute machine over fences, really. He'll be one going up and trip next season. But I think uh, you could only be enthused by what you saw, really, Dean. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Paddy, we saw Envoy Allen, and I think, you know, everyone, the hype machine is in is in overload, really, with this animal, but keeps uh, delivering. Yeah, very impressive, wasn't he? Um, there's no doubt. I, I just wanted to ask Dermot quick about... Sam Crow, did your man say much about um, if the tongue strap made much difference, Derma? And he didn't say a word about it. No, I think they were just they were more relieved than anything, Paddy, just just to see him back after last season. But he felt um, he felt that Sam Crow relaxed an awful lot more anyway in the race, and even actually took took the lead on quite well, which is uh, a rare thing for him. So I'd say all in all, they were just in twos just to see him him get round like that because. It'd been a year or so since he'd actually done that, like, you know. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And getting back to Envoy Allen, I mean, that was the first time we'd seen him for for two hundred and thirty four days. But I mean, he remains unbeaten, and yeah, look, I mean, he went off one to four, but he, you know, for a big lad, he looks pretty smart on his feet. Um, that was decent. They couldn't have asked for any more. He stretched away, and he's won by six and a half lengths. And I mean, it was a big field, but you know, he didn't, he didn't beat an awful lot you would say but nonetheless it was a good start and it's onwards and upwards isn't it oh god 100% yeah very much so yeah um, sticking with Ireland before we do move on to some of those English horses that ran uh, Delta Work um, for me a tad disappointing I thought on return Road to Respect does what Road to Respect does which is a clockwork big number performance and that was good enough to go and win at the weekend yeah I was disappointed very much so with Delta Work uh, has never been a horse really that I've been massively into anyway uh, but I expected more than that. Now, again, in his bookmakers at Cottage UK article, Keith was at pains to to say that the um, the pace wasn't great in the race. But he also admitted, uh, which a lot of people keep saying, is that this horse's jumping keeps falling apart mm-hmm. at times as well. Mm-hmm. Happened in the RSA last year. He was getting away with it in those novice races in Ireland last year because uh, he is such a good horse and he was getting away with it all the time. But he can't keep making errors like this. Uh, it has to improve but also as was said in the piece Delta Work improves tons for that first run I mean okay. uh, Niven and Ben Dundee last season two average enough handicappers really he barely put them away by half a length and this was a horse that went on and nearly won an RSA afterwards so it could just be a very simple case that this horse would kick on in abundance but you'd have to be very disappointed but road to respect he's just he's a brilliant animal he's he, he keeps winning races like this but the likes of him and the likes of Clan de Zobo for me they are those those kind of boxers that are are quite good at their level but they're stepping stones really and I think if um, if Delta Work is to go on to be a gold cup contender next time out he is going to have to beat the likes of those horses do you know what like and I'm a bit of a romantic watcher of racing right so I wouldn't necessarily know the the greatest stamp of a horse unless you know perhaps someone told me that is one Delta Wert to me doesn't look like the stamp of a chaser that goes and wins gold cups and I give that to Paddy I mean he was in with the big boys there at the weekend um, and they did look bigger boys 
Yeah, there's no doubt. And, you know, Dermo mentioned there about his jumping. It has really held him back in the past. And, I mean, he's six-year-old now. Whether he's progressing as a chaser, I don't know. I mean, you look down to his form and twice on his reappearance run, it has been beaten. Now, when he did win last year on his reappearance, Dharma mentioned there, he just beat Niven by three quarters of a length and that was his only winning reappearance run. So chances are he might improve for that return effort, but he's going to have to because, you know, in the end, with all the respect, you know, he beat him by over 15 lengths the other day and there was no real excuses. And like I said, them jumping errors just sort of shone again the other day. And, and um, for the minute, there, there would be question marks about Delta work. Jury is out until we see him again. You'd expect him to come on a lot. And if he doesn't come on a lot, then uh, he might just be a little bit of a back number amongst the big boys this year. But we will find out. I know that the faith is retained at home, but they're going to want to see more come from Delta work. Uh, Road to Respect, we expect, is going to have a similar season to previously and probably just come up short in the big festivals. But that might be a bit of a disservice to a horse that's done so well for Noel Mead. Let's talk about some of the English runners. Um, Lost in translation, bit of a penalty kick, Derma, but mighty impressive. Some of the leaps on the Robbie Power were um, were breathtaking. I mean, this, this horse loves the game. Oh, yeah. And he's a cracking horse. Um, he really is. It's just the one thing that, that kind of jumped into my head afterwards because you can only be wax lyrical about what that horse actually did mm. on the day. His jumping, you could see how enthused that Robbie Power was afterwards. He was, he was positively giddy in himself. But the way he jumps so big and bold and grand, I think it will lend itself beautifully to a Betfair chase. I think it will lend itself beautifully to a King George, which could be an absolute cracker, him against Altior, because he'll naturally have a bit more staying to him, I think, than Altior does. But obviously Altior is Altior. Um, but I'd be taking him on all day okay. in a Gold Cup. Um, I think his jumping is is so extravagant. Um, it'll be, it would be pointless trying to get that out of him because it's, it's a real strength of his. But I think... In a gold cup, the horses that win this race, look at album photos jumping last season, was real arrow-like. He was just about getting over them. Uh, same as Don Cossack, um, all these kinds of horses. And I just don't think a horse that jumps as big and bold and extravagantly, apart from Kato Star, really wins a race like that. So Altior. I'd be taking him on all day long. I'd be taking on Altior as well in a gold cup then. that's that's uh, yeah okay in a gold cup I thought you were going to say just all, all no, the no 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 <laughs> uh, Paddy what did you mean I, I was mighty impressed I know he probably hasn't beaten the greatest field in the world but I was very impressed with that return yeah he was very good I mean he's a big lad isn't he and I yeah. mean look to be honest Carlisle isn't a big jumping test uh, they're not big fences that's why you had an awful lot of people especially southern trainers like to go there because although they're very inviting um, they're not a very stiff fence although the, the, the hitch or, or sorry the ditch on the downhill run into the straight can catch one out but apart from that um you know it's a very good track just to get a, a few miles on their clock to be honest but you couldn't help but be impressed but really it was just a race course gallop um you know he was just very fresh and well and happy to be out and he showed that in some of his jumping i mean there was one or two he took from outside the wings but in fairness even then ones that he did tackle from outside the wings he wasn't doing it out of you know just pure freshness and gassy he's just a very big scopey horse and even when he was doing that he was getting there with ease um mm. you know it's incredibly scopey horse and, and, and very athletic um, but Dermo is right, you know, in doing that, that uses a lot of vital petrol. You don't really want to see that. But now that they have got to run into him, maybe he'll be a little bit more economical and, and save a bit more petrol the next day because when he is up in grade, he will need to. You can't really be having too much of that because, like I say, it really does use up a lot of gas. 
Okay. I, I thought it was decent. I'm really looking forward to him now next time. And I think the sky is the limit with a horse like that. And I would like to see him, as you say, and as Dermo has pointed out, maybe fiddle a couple rather than always go for the uh, for the monster leaps. But uh, he does look a very exciting horse. And they've always had, well, I say always, last recent few years, the Tizards have had some very dominant steeplechasers. And this one can go on the list. Uh, vindication, Paddy. Myself and you were very confident that... Um, well, I would say very confident. We thought he looked the standout, perhaps, in that Sadetsko, and uh, he went and done it. He was backed as if defeat was uh, out of the question. Yeah, no, very, very impressive, wasn't it? Um, mm. I mean, to be honest, I was expecting him to run very well. I wasn't expecting to do it as well as that. Um, but I just thought he, he, he was a horse now that last season was a really big learning curve for him. Although he did manage to win a couple, like I said, he was found out. Uh, when put in at the deep end, simply through lack of experience. But fair mm. play, Kim Bailey looks to me like he's done a great job of training this horse. He's brought him along nice and, uh, and, and gradually, but his jumping has improved as far as the experience. He's well able to jump this horse, but he just needed them miles on the clock. But that the other day was very, very good. And, you know, you've seen the interview with Kim Bailey afterwards. I mean, he was a little, little taken aback himself and, and he seems very excited now. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And he was very excited about what they might be able to do with this horse. I mean, Demo, he went in off that, I think it was a mark of like 151 or something. So he's obviously had enough in hand to dominate that field. The way he leapt at the last shows you that the ears were bricked and he really hadn't done much. He was just outclassing a field. Yeah, you know, this happens with kind of last season's novices at times. Remember Norton's charm, was it the, the horse for um, for Mulholland before as well? You just kind of get these horses that... that come out of their their novice campaign with just a nice mark they're much better than it I think that's all that was he's an awful lot better than than that mark and going forward it will be interesting now to see where he'll go but um, it's kind of hard to see where he slots in we've kind of such a, a strong goal cup division you're, you're kind of looking to see so look we'll we'll throw him into the Welsh National as well <laughs> uh, but the uh, but the horse in fourth um, on the blind side I thought ran an absolute blinder he, he missed the first three pretty much um, and afterwards was really just kind of chasing them home all day but he really stayed and stayed on and there's a mark and there's a race in him off that mark and yep. he just needs to he needs to get his head back in the game really he hasn't kind of sorted himself mentally out now since his novice hurdling days really but Nicky Henderson's great at this now he will have shown him plenty. He'll bring him back slowly and there's definitely a big one of that horse. The right four were in the, in the firing line for that finish in the end, weren't they? Because Regal Encore is always, always able to pop up and deliver a big performance. Just don't know what day it's going to come and it came that day, ran very well. Black Courtney who's obviously a stable star and continues to run big numbers and on the blind side, um, probably just learning a little bit more on the job back in fourth. So a really nice race there in the Sedexco. Um, before we move on to the Diego de Charmille, uh farce as it was in the end, uh, let's just quickly mention Ballyoptic because one and one the Charlie Hall um, I think, you know, Paddy, you and myself were picking him out on the basis that he'd had that run and the rest were all coming in first time up. But he did go and tough it out under Sam, didn't he? Even when it looked like it was getting a bit tricky for him, he cleared away again. Yeah, I mean, the one thing about this horse is he's always very strong across the line. And if not for the first time, he has looked in trouble at a certain part of the race, um, as he did for a stride or two, I thought, um, on return. But no, it was very, very good. Beat Elegant Escape, who, you know, he was getting four pounds from, but beat him by three and three quarter lengths. But I don't really think that that was um, the most impressive thing. It's just how strong he stays, this horse, and sees a, sees a race out. Um, very, very impressive. And in fairness to him, he backed that winning return run up and Bally Optic. Although a nine-year-old, um, I still think he is on the up over fences for me. 
He is. I, I think he's a he's a late bloomer here because they always thought quite a bit of him early days and he was he was pretty harshly faced a few times. Um, so he's going to win the Charlie Hall. Uh, they're talking about going for the Hennessy, the Labrook now demo. And, you know, that's the kind of race that can go to a horse like that. Oh, got it. 100%. And you wouldn't doubt it whatsoever. And But it's... They were saying though as well, weren't they? The Beffer Chase looks more likely for him and it's... Um, as he said, there's no handicaps now for him, so you just have oh, yeah. to you have to keep going for these races. But he's the kind of horse I, I, I he'll be third or fourth in these kind of races, Dean. Uh, I think that 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 Charlie Hall was piss poor, um. So I think he won it. He won it very well, but I wouldn't be tying any bows onto a, a Ballyoptic for the rest of the season. Another one smashed off the boards as well, price-wise, wasn't he? He went off 11-4 joint favourites, so, you know, there was that fitness angle. It seems like a good few people landed with that. All right, let's talk about uh, Diego de Charmille. There's been some absolute nonsense written about the uh, steward stuff uh, following the race. Uh, Paddy, you're a jockey. That happened to you. Uh, <laughs> which way would you be siding? Should, should Diego Charmille have kept that race at Ascot? Obviously, from the purpose of my wallet, I'm glad he did. Yeah, no, it, it was a tricky one, wasn't it? Because it wasn't it wasn't a maneuver by the jockey. It was just a very a, nearly a very nasty incident, um, really. Because the second horse as well of of um, yeah, Capeland, Capeland, in the result of of Brownies was very lucky. He didn't injure himself off the off the the upright of the fence as well. Um, because when you watch where he put his feet, he was very very lucky. He didn't pick up a bad injury, um, but. Look, it was just a freak incident. Um, it wasn't... I thought the jockey, um, Larkin Williams, showed serious balance on, on the winner to stop on board because yeah. uh, it was incredible. And, I mean, the top and bottom of it is, through no fault of his own, this the horse of Brian, he's, he didn't jump the fence. The, the winner did. Um, now, I know it's a bit sort of PC brigade, but if I was assured on the day, I'd have said, yeah, the rule is he's not jumped the fence, so we've got to disqualify him. As harsh as it is, that's how the rules are written. People would say, oh God, you've got to use a bit of common sense. But like I say, the way it turned out, that's what happened. He, the, the, the horse in front is, has jumped the biggest part of the fence, the, the, the upright, whereas the second horse, through, through no fault of his own, hasn't. And he had to go, unfortunately. But it was just a freak incident and one that I think we'll, uh, we won't see very often. I don't, I'm sure you'd probably never see it again. But, like, Diego de Chamo should have kept the race, Paddy, yes or no? Well, I mean, look, it was it was down to the loose horses. It wasn't a jockey manoeuvre. Like, it wasn't that the horse was was a bit roguey and he took it upon himself to go and run out at the last. I mean, he's actually been very, very honest to even do what he did in the end. Um, but, you know, I you can't you can't apportion blame uh, when there's loose horses involved. So for me, I thought the right results uh, came about. So it's a yes. Let's go to Demo. What did you think? Under the current rules, uh, yes, he should have kept the race. Fine, uh, we I can move though, on. <laughs> 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 That's it, yeah, point over. I think, though, that the, the rules need to be looked at and um, changed. For what, for what reason? I think simply if one horse, not Jockey's fault, not anyone's fault at all, but that horse in second was taken out by the horse that won the race. I think the horse in front, uh, regardless of, you're not blaming the jockey in this, the momentum, the horse in second lost completely and was thrown out of the race. If that was with a different trainer, there would have been much more of a complaint put in. And I don't think it's fair at all. The same thing happened in the Tingle Creek a few years back, uh, jumping the last side of Grugi pulled left and absolutely cleaned a special tiara. But because it was jumping the last fence, Sider Grugli won by a length and a half, but uh, 
special tiara just kind of came back to him then after losing all momentum. The rules, the rules at the moment completely and utterly suit the perpetrator and suit the aggressor and are against the horse that ends up being knocked because they end up working it out then by how far did the horse win by and like do you think the horse would have won anyway I think regardless of what happens there it's not Lorcan Williams's fault as I keep saying but the horse has caused nearly a serious incident uh, Capeland and the jockey were very very lucky to, to both walk away from that neither of them could physically jump the fence because of what the winner done then the winner does not deserve to win that race. Do you want to be in a world where you watch racing where a horse that doesn't deserve to win a race wins a race? I think for uh, instances where the impact is that heavy and that high, I think that's that's fair. It's, you would have given the, the race to a horse that's 25 lengths behind jumping the last. More than likely, no yeah, ground. but I just... Well, I that's, not fair. that's not fair on anybody. But it's not fair on the second for what the first second is. The second wouldn't have won, this, I don't think. This is going to happen once every two years. And I think for when it does happen... Um, I'm not saying for every single impact like they have in France or every single manoeuvre. I'm saying for something like that where the horse in second has physically been taken out of the race by what the winner has done, the winner should not be the winner. Okay, but the, the winner is being ridden by a jockey, so it's not the jockey's fault. You can't, you can't disqualify a horse for being a horse. You can. Yeah, you can't. You can. Absolutely, you can't. Something like that. He pulled himself to the left. I'm not saying for a slight knock. I'm saying for the fact that, that he went halfway across the track and cleaned another horse to knock that horse out of the race uh, it was an amazing jump to get over that side of the fence it was absolutely mm-hmm. amazing mm. um, and by the current rules he should have kept the race and he did but I'm saying that those rules should be amended for serious incidents like that that it just shouldn't happen we would Is have he, been, go on Paddy yeah. Darryl, you've got to look at it like this way uh, I, I, I totally agree with you because say if you were on the road and there was there was four cars and the first car um, runs across the second one, and you know, say so. Say the third car is I know it sounds a bit silly, but the third car is Larkin Williams, and he bumps into Bryony. Larkin Williams's insurance is going to have to pay Bryony Frost because it's his fault. Yep, isn't it? Because them other two cars, although they bumped into him, he's bumped into her. So Dermot's got a great point. Um, you know, he's actually caused the damage. To, to what's happened to, to Brownie. But on the other hand, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm standing on, on, on both sides of the fence here. You cannot give the race to horses that are 20 lengths behind because... That's, that's, that's the overriding thing for me. In the face of what the stewards had to deal with, they would have had to, if they got rid of both horses there, and they have to get rid of Capeman because it hasn't jumped the last, there's no doubt about that. So they have to get rid of him. And if they go and give a race to a horse of 25 lengths behind and toiling when the two front ones come to the last, everybody loses, in my view. And that doesn't make any sense to anybody. I want to just make one final point before we do move on from this Diego de Chambre. In your world, we are rewarding... Um, really aggressive tactics that's cleaning horses there was out. no aggressive there was I'm no aggressive tactics there wasn't any I'm saying going no, no, forward so you, can't, you can't bring it up there wasn't any I'm saying that the precedent is set by an event like this it's not Larkin's fault no, I've said this it's about not, seven it's times it's not at all it's not set by this we are we are we are effectively rewarding one horse being cleaned by another horse right that's what the reward is. There's, 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 there's no precedent being set for aggressive tactics because there were none. The horses are herd animals and it's followed a loose horse. There was a column written by Kevin Blake, which is pure clickbait on At The Races, where he is arguing similar to you, I think, in terms of no, he wants to give the race. The day, huh? Yeah, he wants to give the result to a horse that couldn't win the race. And that's not racing. 
that doesn't make any sense to anybody apart from Kevin Blake and you, I think. I have not agreed with Kevin Blake. Kevin Blake has said uh, in his piece, which I enjoy, but I didn't agree with. He said, by the current rules, the horse should have been thrown out. I'm not saying that. Which is I'm saying too. by the current rules, the horse should keep the race. But I'm saying that these rules should be looked at for a freakish event like that. I think it was a really simple situation. The best horse won the race, keeps the race, end off. But at what cost? Move on. No cost. We tipped it up here on the podcast, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna row in behind. I made money off this. <laughs> right. Um, okay. The thanks. Strongest part, the strongest part of your argument, Dino. Yeah, exactly. The wallet always. All right. Let's. Uh, I just want to mention Janico won the Holden Gold Cup during the week. Pretty classy enough performance, I thought. Again, another one where the market got it absolutely right. And a disappointing first run for um, Paul Nichols's McFabulous. He has a terrible record with maiden hurdlers at Chepstow. I must credit Narrow the Field for me picking it up on Twitter. Uh, and a really nice winner there for Silver Hallmark, who looks a horse going places front two. Might be quite good there. Anything else anyone want to pick up from the weekend, Chaps? Yeah, a wave of the sea won the first race at Down Royal on uh, on Friday for Joseph O'Brien and JJ Slevin. Uh, looks a very good horse and is a good marker now going forward for the Irish uh, Triumph Hurdle contenders. Uh, Look very strong, finished just like Ruby Walsh would love. They couldn't kind of stop him after the line. And um, I thought he's definitely one going forward now to keep your eye on. Ruby Walsh tick applied there for non-puller-uppers after the, the finish. It's going to be something we might carry forward. We found two more horses for the Welsh National as well during that uh, review. <laughs> it's going to be the greatest Welsh <laughs> National of all of, time. Of all time. Uh, Paddy, Dermo, thank you. We will take a break here on the Race Hour podcast brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk and we'll come back and have a look at the next weekend's racing. You're listening to the Race Hour podcast, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the Race Hour. Welcome back to the Race Hour podcast brought to you with bookmakers.co.uk. Um, myself, Dermot Nolan and Paddy Aspel all here. Let's have a look at this weekend's race. And chaps, hopefully we can find one or two winners like we did uh, the previous two weeks. We set the bar high. I'm not convinced we're going to continue that on, nor is Dermot <laughs> Nolan. So let's uh, let's start with a race that perhaps hasn't set everyone's uh, mind alight. Uh, let's go to Wincanton first, chaps, and we'll have a quick look at the 150 that goes post there on Saturday. Uh, it's a mare's handicap hurdle. I don't have a lot to say about it. Although the favourite is Dance Idol for Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden. It could be a weekend for him actually it could um, he's sticking up towards it but just until this does happen I will continue to take on Paul Nichols horses um, all good, yeah. yeah just until he really starts rocking and rolling because once he does you, you you know you don't do that but just at the moment his horses aren't quite finding an awful lot but as we know it just takes one Saturday for him and it's all gone but uh, Dance Idol is a good mare but again I'll be taking on the yard the likes of Deputies Oscar or Gandhi and 60s Bell they come into this in decent form but the 16 to 1 of it, Oscar Rose for Paddy uh, okay. Brennan and Fergal O'Brien is very interesting. Fergal O'Brien's horses are absolutely flying. And 16 to 1 for this horse is um, a very decent price. Brilliant winner at Suttle last time. Uh, she's rated right up there with the best of these. And she should go very well. I mean, they've got, what is it now? It's 26 winners since they're moved to the new yard. And... Uh, Fergal O'Brien's yard just goes from strength to strength. Look, we ruined the chance of did they leave you out too last weekend, but like, and same as the only one I kind of thought that the prices I'd get involved in. I probably won't get involved in, so I might leave you go solo uh, with Oscar Rose. Paddy Brennan is booked up already for Fergal O'Brien, and that yard is rocking and rolling. Paddy, uh, any thoughts about that 150? 
Yeah, Oscar Rose, I mean, I'm just hoping she doesn't follow pattern uh, uh, or the same pattern as what she did last year because she won on a return last year at Worcester. Now, there's two tracks where I don't like form-wise is Worcester and Southern. Um And after Southern, she never won another race all season, although running okay here and there. Um, now, that was decent the other day. She won by six lanes at Sutherland. Like Dermo says, I mean, the yard at the minute, uh, I looked at his numbers the other day, just incredible. I mean, he's up even now still uh, 9-23 in the last 14 days. So and they've really hit the ground running in the new yard. I mean, they look like that new gallop that they've put in looks incredible. Um, you know, very similar to what, to me, what, what Nicky Henderson has at seven barrows. Yeah. Uh, but it cer- certainly is doing the trick. But he's always showing Fergal O'Brien that he's well able to train a horse. But... Oscar Rose, she's got to back that up now because, as I said, a winner return last year and she just sort of went off the map a little bit. Um, but the one I like here is the Stuart Edmonds mayor, Deputies Oscar. Got a lovely race and, you know, 10 stone two if yeah. the top weight is declared here. If Casablanca mix is doesn't, if Casablanca mix and literality come out, the weights really shoot up here. Um, so we're going to have to wait and see what the decks do. But I was really impressed with Deputy's Oscar. She's a very, very gritty mare. This goes from the front, uh, jumps well, very, very honest. And that was a real good performance at market raise in the last day because look for a strider too, like they were going to put it up to her. And she's cleared away again from the back of the last. And, and Stuart Edmonds, he's a very, very capable trainer with a fairly limited number of horses. Fair enough. Um, Deputy Oscar then put up by Paddy. It's around 7-1 right now with uh, Oscar Rose getting a couple of nods from Dermot and myself for that 150 at Wing Canton. Let's take a look at the 225. Um, you know, we know Colin Tizard doesn't mess about when he thinks he has a good horse, just keeps throwing him into the ring. Uh, the Rising Stars novices chase a grade two, the 225 at Wing Canton. Two mile four in front of Reserve Tank, which is the horse I'm talking about now. Um, it's going to go offshore, I think, here, and I'd imagine uh, they will get it done, Dermot. Yeah, this is... Um... I'm attacking this race from a completely different point of view, uh, punting-wise. I've actually done an each-way double with one in this and the race afterwards. Okay. Um, it, Reserve Tank should win this. I mean, that, w- that was a decent run. And Jarvis Plate, who actually beat the horse um, last time, he's a good horse and he's coming from a yard where just uh, Fergal O'Brien could, could have the stable cat jumping fences at the moment. But it's um, Reserve Tank should get this done. He really showed his form last season. Is quite smart, albeit it is uh, late late season novice form as as Richie O'Shea asked us about on the podcast yeah. a few weeks back so there is a, a few question marks about him but he should be good enough to get this done but there's one horse there at 16 to 1 I think this race is going to completely fall apart so at the moment you can get your three places on him and it's uh, Comanche Red he's jocked up there with Tom Cannon on board for Craig Gordon who's a trainer I quite fancy I, I quite like I quite like as well who's got uh, very few horses but this horse is um, I liked him in his novice hurdling days, he just kind of, there was a ceiling there, definitely. But he ran a really good race last time at Warwick when he jumped to the right. Uh, so going right-handed here at Wing Canton would really suit him. Um, and he has his experience now. He was third that day. He was only five lengths behind Ballymoy despite jumping so bad. And uh, right-handed will definitely suit him an awful lot more. And he'll, um, he'll love this place. And at 16 to 1, you're taking a price with a horse who who looks like he is definitely running against a load of horses that really mightn't. Okay, Comanche Red is dropped up. Tom Cannon for Chris Gordon. That's uh, number three in that race there. Paddy, um, for me, the race is reserve tank turns up, wins. Dermo's trying to find a bit of value. Maybe he has done. Yeah, I mean, reserve tank, he probably just done enough wrong at Chips, though, didn't he? He was, yeah. he was keen and gassy, and, and I thought both him and... Um, 
the horse of Paul Nichols is um, trying to think what it was in the same colours as if you say Posh-tris. run. Tris. Posh Tris, yeah. yeah. I just thought they were getting in each other's way a little bit and they were just upsetting each other, whereas Jarvis Plate dropped in, was a little bit sticky early doors, and it's it's actually helped Jarvis Plate to win the race because he didn't get involved in, in, in the, the early nonsense. And I just thought Reserve Tank, he just had a little blow and got tired, albeit ran well. Um, but, you know, he's got a rating. Uh, a giant top rating here with Ballymoy at one five one. Um, he's bound to improve. Um, for the run, but you know, I think this is you know this is a, a pretty deep uh, novice chase. I mean, I think the mayor at the bottom of Paula Nichols is she's two from two at Wincanton. Now I will say she isn't entirely straightforward. She, she can hang left, she can hang right, she can do all sorts to be honest. But she's got a fair engine on her. Um, to be honest, and you know she won a handicap on this card last year, and I do just think you know she's going to be getting she's only mayor in the race. She's be going to be getting that um, mayor's allowance from all the boys here. I just wouldn't want to underestimate her, although she's got a bit to do at the at the weights. Um, if she was on her best behaviour. And I just think in a better race, she will look a better mare because if she gets it to the front end too easily, that's when she tends to, to run about a bit and, and, and not concentrate. So she could be one there to price for me if you say run uh, for Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden. She's having her second run the um, since having a wind up as well. Okay, so if you say run for Paddy, um, yeah, I'm not going to um, blow anyone's mind by saying I think reserve tanks probably value it even money right now for that race. Dermo's found one at a bigger price, which is Comanche Red, and it does look quite deep if the likes of Ballymoy does turn up, Vision de Flo does turn up, but Dermo's suggesting perhaps maybe that won't be the biggest field. We would imagine that reserve tank will show up, and uh, I'd expect Robbie Power to be over to ride it. Let's move on to that three o'clock. Dermo, I think you said you had one to go with this each way double, so if you're Comanche Red in the pre race what are you taking on fusil raffles with in the unibet elite hurdle and again it's not from the aspect of actually taking on the favorites because i think reserve tank and fusil raffles will win easy but again there's a lot of horses here that just might be bothered to turn up to take on um a strong favorite like this and i thought beat the judge at um at 16 to 1 he'll be ridden to pick up the pieces like he always is he was second behind fusil raffles last season he was second last time behind silver streak uh, you can get 12 to 1 about a horse who who's jocked up he should place in the day because the field is, in my opinion, is going to completely fall apart here. And uh, you're getting 12 to 1 and 16 to 1 about um, about these two horses. You okay, know? I like the angle because you've two, two favourites there. It's very easy to say they're both going to win, which I'll do. So you may as well find something better. Uh, Fuso Raffles for me is going to take an awful lot of stopping. They seem the hype train seems to be uh, coming from Henderson that perhaps he wasn't going to be ready this early. Now they reckon he's blossoming, so absolutely fit and firing. Daryl Jacob will ride that eleven to ten favorite for the elite hurdle as it is now. Paddy, what do you make of it? Yeah, Fusil Raffles, he's only had the four starts and goes well fresh. Uh, handicapper thinks he's worth a mark of one five two. Probably difficult to be against him, but I mean, he's in against some proper seasoned, you know, horses here who really know their job. I mean, we all seen Caldeston on his return at Cheltenham. I thought got a cracking ride. Um, Caldeston. He has got a mark of one four nine, and Grand Sancy. I mean, he won the the Kingwell Hurdle uh, on this card last year, so he likes the track. 
Um, he's got a real good record there as well. So, I mean, these are no back numbers and these are horses that really know their way around Wing Canton. So, although I think he'll win, um, you know, we will sort of see how good this chap is on, on, on Saturday Fuser Raffles because, like I said, it, this is going to be a well-run race. Brandon Castle of Neil King's, he'll rock and roll from the front. Um, it'll be a well-run race. So, it, it um, if, if he does win Fuser Raffles, it'll uh, it'll be a good effort because it's it's not an easy race. Yeah, I think it's a decent uh, a decent set of yardsticks in there. None of them going to pull up trees in a champion hurdle, but Fuso Raffles, they hope, might do. And, and only four going to turn five, uh, ten a year would be a very big ask to go and do it this time round. But they're going to pick up some prize money along the way, I would imagine, as they go for it. Of course, the yard is sponsored by this race. So no no surprise, really, to pop up with Fuso Raffles on uh, debut there. You are deserting Caldestan, Demo. I like the horse an awful lot, but... I just think the that race at Cheltenham should leave a mark. They ran an absolutely horrific ground that well, day. It was a tough and uh, Fusil Raffles, in my opinion, is up there with the best of the the novice hurdle or the juveniles from last year. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing him now and seeing what what way they all finish because, as I've been saying for a long time now, I think the uh, juvenile hurdlers from last season are a very special bunch, and I think uh, this season we will see that. We already have a bit so far, anyway. Okay. All right, that's the elite hurdle. And the final race we're going to talk about at Wincanton on the weekend is uh, no longer the Badger Ales. It's now the Badger Beers, Silver Trophy, Handicap Chase. A uh, race I always look forward to, actually. One that has, has been dominated in the past by Paul Nichols. Of course, present man is here bidding for a three-peat. Um, I like his other horse, though, in the race. And that's not even the favourite. That's Give Me a Copper. Harry Cobden will ride that one. It's around second favourite in a minute, six or seven to one. The favourite is White Moon. And Colin Tizard um, d- dominating Saturday racing at the moment with, with some some uh, kind of horses that I'm, I'm not convinced should be at the top of that market white moon paddy an interesting one in that badger beers because if you look back at the form you've got to go a little bit back to find a one yeah but i mean let's see he'd have won the last day wouldn't he um at wing canton because he absolutely he barely rolls a leg he, he, he's i think he's just a bit stupid this horse to be honest um you get them he, he barely rolls a leg at the second last got away with it and you would think he would go down to the last and be a little bit tidier um and he done the exact same thing he was unlucky really uh he completely lost his back end i mean it, it was a horrible what's f4 really because for me he didn't it wasn't an f it was it was a, it would have been a very harsh u on robbie power but it was you know it, it was a terrible uh, mistake but you see the handicappers put him up five pounds so for him the handicapper he, he's classed him as the winner um so really he's unlucky not to have have a one there as well and if you can remember the other f um next to his name that was when he was in that Cheltenham race when he was completely blinded at the, yes, at the yes, second last yeah, yeah. in Count Marybell's race so he hasn't always had the rub of the green this horse but you know like I said that was a horrible incident where he really lost his back end you know and, and, and you can see horses do some real damage doing that so I'd prefer to sit on the fence with this chap because you know he's going back to the to the scene of the crime as well albeit he is a course winner um, around there but it just wasn't a very nice incident visually so I'd, I'd prefer to give him a miss um, the other one I looked at was is my old mate isn't it? Um, although he's 10, is the young master mm. because he's a course and distance winner, 11 stone three. He's a real good weight carrier, this horse, and he's got a good course record. He's only finished, he's only finished out of the money. Um, or, or he's only been round, let me see. Uh, he's only finished out of the money a couple of times, but he generally does turn up and run his race 
at Wink Canton. Um, ran on the level 38 days ago, so that will have blown away the cobwebs for him. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if Neil Maholland turns up with this boy. He's pretty reliable, the young master. And so for me, I think it's a big ask for the present man to try and get the hat-trick up in this race. Um, but I'd prefer to stick with my old reliable young master. Okay, young master for Paddy. I just want to um, echo some of the things you were saying about White Moon. For if you go back through those races, and this horse is currently ninety-two favourite for what is a very competitive race, it is littered with mistakes. Miss this one, hit this one, uh, not fluent here. I, he's going to need a, a really good round of jumping. Alone, I'm not going to be able to afford. He looked a couple the winner all day at Cheltenham when he was blindsided. Like that, that was you can, he cannot be held responsible for that. Round no, of I'm not holding yeah. him responsible, and that's an um, that's an unfortunate fall, but. There's still mistakes oh, no, in there. And um, there's still mistakes in his normal runs and he can throw in an absolute stinker. He could win the race. Obviously, 1-4-2, even with that little rise for for not getting it done last time when, when he fell, um, probably means his mark is fair enough. But he's 9-2. to two. You've got to find something else, I think. Demo. Yeah, the, 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 there's an unfortunate negative with White Moon, Dino, and it's a big one, is defences can tend to get in his way. That's it. That is it. <laughs> One horse whose defences will definitely not get in his way, although they have in the past, actually, sorry, uh, is, uh, is, is Calypto at, uh, oh, yeah. at 16 to 1. Uh, Venetia's team now are starting to fly now that the ground is in shite, and uh, Calypto can definitely win here off 147. We, we know he handles the track, we know he handles the ground, and overall, he jumps very, very well. It has to be remembered that this is a horse who went off a favourite for the Triumph Hurdle that's Tiger Roll won. He was only beaten a few lengths when sixth in the Grand Annual. Uh, Venetia seems to have really gotten to the bottom of, of him. Um, he's a horse who always had the ability. Venetia now has him. He's won on heavy ground. Like, like there's, there, there really is nothing against him. Um, and it just, it all depends on how far that this horse can kind of keep progressing now. Like, Venetia tends to get, her horses tend to improve as they get to 8, 9, 10, as opposed to the opposite way. So, he was with Paul Nichols. He's obviously with Venetia Williams now for a while and I think with just the way her yard is starting to kind of to flow along now I think Eclipto is a mighty big price at 16 to 1 if he does indeed run interesting shout that it is seeming to be just about the time to just back Venetia blind right now um, she is firing a few in and this background uh, wherever it turns up always helps uh, Calypto is an interesting shout there's a few more to pick out I mean I spoke about Rock the Casbah on here before I still think there's a race in that off, off 150 but I don't know you know, I'd be loath to think it was this one because I think it's quite hot. I can't see Present Man doing it again. White Moon is going to make too many mistakes for me. Uh, if he doesn't, obviously, he's a, he's a live player. And the money seems to be pretty significant um, coming for Colin Tizard's horse, White Moon. So it's give me a copper for me. I know they always fancied this to be a horse that was really well handicapped. I'd imagine he still is. A race that Paul Nichols often... Um, Nails. I don't think it's going to be present, man. I think give me a copper. Seven, eight to one is a fair enough stab if you're going to be having a go at the race right now. And uh, if you wanted a second one for me, it's probably some kind of king, which I think is put up on bookmakers.co.uk by the anti-post tip. So he finished second in this to present man before and it's off a similar enough mark for Tom George, who seems to be going well. So I think we found some outside shouts in there. Um, but if I had to nail my colours to one, it would be give me a copper. Demo, you're on Calypto. And uh, Paddy, you're nailing your colours to the young master to run a big race. Yeah, and then we've obviously got one for to keep everybody in the, in the play spot, of course, West Approach, Dino. <laughs> yeah, he does. he's a good play spot horse, right? <laughs> he loves a silver medal. <laughs> Perfect. 
<laughs> okay, that's Win Canton. Let's have a look at um, Aintree because there's one race there that I wanted to give a mention to. That's the uh, the 240, this uh, now Virgin Bet handicap chase, class two affair there. Copper West and the Russian Doyen, who was a, a decent enough um, talking horse really for Cosn- Colin Tizard a couple of seasons ago. Actually, he didn't disappoint. Won a couple of nice races. Only six years old, might have a bit more to come. They had the market at five to one. Duke Street's in there. Um, Riders on the Storm is an interesting t- trainer switch demo. Definitely, yeah. Uh, this was a horse that we believed in an awful lot last season when with Tom Taftine. Uh, the horse is now a Nigel to St. Davis, so you can guarantee that he'll be more than fit enough for the job. But the one that I just think here is a massive bet is again following Venetia Williams and it's uh, the favourite Capage. I mean, this horse's last run was in December 2018 when uh was just a few lengths behind Frodon at Cheltenham gave an absolute wondrous run that day it was brilliant altogether and there's no better yard than the Venetia Williams yard to bring a horse back uh, from an extended break like this uh, is actually has been put down two pounds for that run so it's now on 141 as opposed to 143 uh, Venetia Williams is again she's as I previously said she's out now they're all flying um, as they will be has previously the horse himself has previously won from uh, 185 days break so everything is in Kpaj's arms here if he's back if he's declared obviously as well but like it's just for that form of running behind the eventual Ryan Air winner now I know he, he was getting buckets of weight but still um, he's more than good enough to win a race like this and off 141 I think Kpaj if he is indeed declared he's the better of the weekend wow Okay, let's hope that turns up. That's uh, Kpaj or Sipaj, Kpaj, number one anyway, uh, whoever you want to call it. Hopefully we call it home first in the 240. Uh, Aintree, uh, Paddy, what did you make of this race? Um, I think you have to, I don't know, actually. I think this is tricky. Yeah, but he's very likable. Um, this Kpaj of, of Venetia's ground is going to be on the soft side, you know, another French bread that she does terrifically well with. He's very consistent. And I mean, to be fair, this is, although he has got 11, 12, as so many Venetia's all the time always seem to be lumping around plenty of weight in these handicaps. But it's a pretty compact handicap because really, um, apart from the two right down the bottom, they've all got 11 stone plus. But um, you've got to respect them. But I think the horse right down the foot of the way, it's Copper West, although eight-year-old. He's got a pretty good record over fences now. You know, 10 starts, and he's he's only been out of the money on a few occasions. The yard is going very, very well. Got a lovely racing weight. Oh, and he will have 10-10 because, you know, we've got, you'd imagine, um, of the top two are going to be, one of the top two are going to be declared. Um, we're going to keep the weights as they are. So I would be happy to be with him because, I mean... <sighs> Tom George, I think the yard are in a real rich vein of form at the minute. I thought they've done a phenomenal job, um, albeit I think Black Up has been away to um, to Henriette Knights, hasn't he, for, for school and practice because he looked very, very good the other day, Black Up. And if he can get a horse like Black Up to go around and jump like he did around Stratford the other day, because for me, he just could not physically jump a fence. And he went round the other day and he was mustered. So if, if horses like him are turning up and putting in performances like that, it just shows that the string are fairly healthy at the minute. 
Okay. Um, interesting shout for that one. Currently around five to one and uh, should go well for Tom George if declared. Again, we are talking about if declared quite a bit at the minute, but then that's the, always the nature of the Race Hour podcast because we're so early into the week. But the West's Awake, I thought if that turned up for Edward O'Grady, would be an each way prize that might be of interest. Does have an entry in that Bet Finkter as well coming up at Cheltenham. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets something out of that in a big pot. It's been tried pretty highly and raced yeah, a lot, hasn't that. it? No, yeah, but he's... He's a very classy horse who, who the ground rarely seems to come right from at all. So I think it's um, he's been a frustrating one. He's been kind of like that peregrine run where they were waiting for a pot, waiting for a pot. It just never materialised. So just this summer, they just let him off and just let him win all those those kind of bad races. So the West's Awake is kind of similar, but I'd agree with you. There is a big there is a big race in that, but I think I just have a feeling that, that he will end up at Cello. Okay. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, wherever that one turns up, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of money behind it and it runs well for, for Edward O'Grady. So that's the West Awake in that race. A real tricky uh, contest, actually, at Aintree. I'm not sure we've we've solved it, perhaps, but let's find out when the racing comes around. Uh, Derm, I might go to you about Sunday at Navin. Um, it's a, like a little mini festival, isn't it? You might see the likes of uh, Min, Duvan. I see them declared. Apples Jade is declared. What are we expecting? It's, yeah, it's going to be a brilliant, brilliant card, no matter what happens. I mean, you've Apples Jade, Bacardi's, uh, you know, it's 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 a fairly a fairly decent card, a magic of light, and then you end up in the in two races after it. Then you've got Duvan, who Horse Racing Ireland reported today, is apparently set to run. Wow. And all word on Duvan is that he's working the house down at home. Wow. Um, so Has he ever done anything else? No, but it's still, for a horse off 585 days, uh, you'd be thinking that whatever word was coming from the yard, uh, they'd be trying to dampen it yeah, yeah. A, as much as possible. But, it seems to be the opposite. Um, he could, after this race, in effect, like you, you could have a worse than a, a two euro or three euro bet on a maturity trees for the Queen Mother. Like, yeah. you know, there, there, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. There's, there's much worse bets because if he turns up here and beats nothing but Ballyoshin, but beats him by 20 lengths, you can guarantee he'll be 12 to 1. Or I made this point in the first podcast back yeah. this year is that there are people out there willing to part with hundreds of euros and pounds on this horse at six to four for a race that they may well turn up to see him running again yeah. this March and be staring at the same price going no he was 30 he was 33 yeah. yeah so like yeah. just two or three euro on him makes absolutely perfect sense um but it looks like a really really proper cardian it does um paddy uh like you know it's early in the season but if we do get these horses out at navin the weekend that might be better than saturday's racing yeah for sure they, they have got a few entries haven't they um Especially these ones in in the in the four three, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what what is declared because, you know, obviously like we said, we've got last year's winner in there, Bally O'Sheen. Um, got to come forward again for, for that run thirty five days ago, Juk Denivre, uh, one hundred ninety two day absence, but very very hard not to be impressed with that chap. And which horse did you say is working the house down, Derma? Duvan, Duvan apparently, Paddy. But again, Paddy, this is all whispers, and you know, so God knows. Wow, so it'll be some performance. Five hundred sixty-five days since we last seen him. Yeah, um, be incredible, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. Um, do you know? I want to talk about Duke de Genève for a minute because I think I saw Stephen Cass, who's obviously a friend of the show and uh, often appears on the race hour, talk about DDG as he called him. So you have to read into what he's talking about as being a Gold Cup horse. Now, it won a great Arkle, but you know, won it, Derma. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm yet to be convinced by that. Anyway, uh, I like the horse, always have, but uh, I, I, I'd see that as as reaching, perhaps. Plenty of class in him. 
I mean, you do you do get these horses that go through. Uh, oh, see, this one's gone and won an arco. But Sizing John. Yeah, okay, there's yeah. an example. But there are others where they step up and trip, and there is more to come. It's already a one six two. Wouldn't be the biggest leap in the world, Stephen. I'm just trying to dig you out of a hole here because Demo said <laughs> no chance. But I think actually that is what Mr. Cass likes to hear yeah. <laughs> when he comes up with something wild. Okay, we're looking at some great racing, uh, lads. Let's get some naps out of you before we do wrap up uh, this week's podcast. Again, I do apologise for the day's delay uh, in getting this done, Demo. Would you like to go first and give us your nap of the weekend? Yeah. So first of all, just for anything else section, uh, Miracle of Medina is in the three fifteen at Navan on Sunday. Uh, this has always been a horse that um, has always been talked of in good ways. Um, he's clearly been difficult to train. He's very little race for an eight-year-old, but Gordon Elliott tends to target this meeting very, very much so. And uh, he's one of the only entries in the race for Gordon. So if if Miracle in Medina is declared in that 3.15 at Navin, you'd have to think that a mark of 116 is below what the horse is actually capable of. He's JP McManus, so it won't take too long to figure out whether he's he's uh, he's fancied or not. Um, so he's definitely won. But the Napoli weekend for me, Dean, is, um, is K-Page on Sunday. And if he does rock up, I think it, uh, it could effectively be buying money. 240 uh, entry. Okay, Paddy, your uh, best of the weekend, please. Well, there was, as far as, uh, I'll give you a nap second, but there was one I spotted, whether it runs or not, in Navin on Sunday in the 12.35 for Paul Nolan, a horse called Latest Exhibition. Um, now, they're pitching him into a grade three here, and he's only had the one start over hurdles, but it was at Galway um, a couple of weeks ago and he absolutely smashed uh, one of Gordon Elliott's called Datsy by four and a half lengths and this is a homebred gelding by Oscar uh, bred by Jim Murna who, who has been a real good breeder down the years um, and he has had some nice heart, has done particularly well with the mares he's had but he's got a gelding on this occasion by Oscar one of his own mares or about you now has won um, a bumper and been placed in a bumper but like I said this is much deeper water on Sunday. Um, could turn out to be a real warm race this, but I wouldn't be surprised if latest exhibition was to run very, very well. Um, so that's the twelve thirty-five in that grade three on Sunday. Nice. As far as far as my knock goes, I'm going to go with the mayor that I mentioned right at the very beginning, Dino, in Deputy's Oscar. Um, yeah, one fifty win Canton. Yeah, real, real tough. Tough mare this knows how to win. Whether she's the best horse in the race, we're obviously going to find out Saturday. But if it comes down to resolution and you know having to dig it out on the day, she certainly won't let us down. Deputy's Oscar. Okay, Deputy Oscar then for Paddy Capage uh, in the two forty entry for um, Demo. I'm going to go with Give Me a Copper in that big stand chase, the Badger Beers, and uh, I think that's a bit of value around eight to one. Still knocking about for that. I can imagine that should run well in a race that Paul Nichols does very well in. We also picked out a couple of interesting runners there at Navin. So that's been a pleasure, lads. Hopefully we do as well as we did uh, last weekend and the weekend before. Thanks to Dermot Nolan. Thanks to Paddy Aspel. Thank you also to Alex on production. And uh, we'll be here again next week, lads. Fantastic. Thanks, boys. You've been listening to The Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Your best bet for tips, news and bookmaker reviews. 